This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Today at 4 p.m. Eastern time, Donald Trump will appear in court over the new conspiracy charges where they claim that he was trying to defraud the American public and overturn his loss in 2020. The argument being it was criminal because he knew he lost and he intentionally lied to claim he won in an effort to stop Joe Biden from becoming president. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard because I'm not sure any sane person who has complained about Donald Trump being an egomaniac believes that Trump thought he lost, right? So let's break that down one more time. There is no way that Donald Trump was actually sitting there looking at the numbers going like, well, I lost this one. Even if Donald Trump lost by 30 points, he'd be like, no, it's rigged. I won. So who believes this? You got all these liberals coming up being like, ah, Donald Trump knew he lost. Oh, come on. You can't come to me for years claiming the dude's an egomaniac who loves the smell of his own farts. And then this one time be like, actually, no, he, he did believe he lost. He believed that people did not love him. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We've got the latest report on what's going on. And the question is, will Donald Trump be remanded to custody? Of course not. The likelihood of that happening is extremely low. And that would be catastrophic for the Democrats if they actually did. But hold on there a minute. Now, there's something interesting here. Shouldn't he be remanded to custody? Donald Trump is accused of trying to overthrow the United States government. For what reason would they reasonably say that someone accused of such a crime who owns multiple jets, including a jumbo jet with gold plated seat belts? should be a billionaire, is allowed to go, go, just, you know, come back later. If this was a serious charge, they would say, Sir Trump, you cannot leave. We do not trust you'll stay. And didn't they claim that he was an, a Russian agent? Wouldn't they want to prevent him from fleeing to Russia? Come on. You're talking about putting this guy in prison for 561 years. I mean, let's be real. Trump's already nearly 80 years old. He's almost past, you know, I think he's not quite at average life expectancy for an American male. But how much, how many years does he really have left at this point? Maybe that's the argument why they're going to let him go. Maybe they'd love it if he fled. But let's just remove Donald Trump from the equation. And let's say an individual was accused of trying to overthrow the government. What would the government do? Well, you need look no further than the Bundy Ranch scenario and Ammon Bundy and his family and how they tried to frame him, and they locked him up and effectively tortured these guys. And they weren't even accused of trying to overthrow anything. They were accused of being on land they didn't own. So you mean to tell me that you're accusing Donald Trump of probably the worst crime in this country because it's against the fabric of this country, and you're not going to remand him? So here's my point. Donald Trump should not be remanded. Donald Trump should not be charged. But by all reasonable approaches, 
If they truly believed what they were saying, they would absolutely remand Donald Trump and not allow him to leave the country. The guy's got a jumbo jet. He's got several helicopters. He's worth billions of dollars. So why would they say, nah, you're good. You're good. Look, classified documents thing. Yeah, we get that, right? He had some documents. We'll see what happens. They're serious charges, but you know, that's not apocalyptic. Tax issues in New York City. Ah, come on. That makes sense. He's a white collar crime. You know, he pays a fine or something or a slap on the wrist. Now, here's what to what, what to expect, right? Here's what Al Jazeera says to expect. And then I want to show you what we should reasonably expect. They say Trump is expected to be processed by law enforcement to be to officially be taken into custody and to enter a not guilty plea in front of a judge before being released so he can rejoin the campaign trail as he seeks to reclaim the White House in 2024. Now, why? Seriously, they're accusing him of trying to overthrow the United States. Where, 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 are, where are my liberal friends at, huh? Hey, liberals, y'all should be screaming that Donald Trump should not be released, right? Strangely, they're not doing it. The charges could lead to a years long prison sentence sentence in the event of a conviction. Now, it's not just the federal government. and This is where things get interesting. In this story from the Daily Mail, Trump, quote, will get a mugshot in Georgia. Sheriff says he won't get special treatment and will have to pose for the cameras when arrested if he is hit with election fraud charges in the state. And he will be. The Fulton County DA, leftist, has already said our work is done here. Barricades have been placed. And many people believe that very soon they will announce an indictment at the state level, or I suppose the local level, whatever, whatever it is in Fulton County, against Donald Trump for trying to overthrow the election. Let's break down what this really is. In Fulton County, there were some, let's just put, let's, let's just say irregularities. And that's not in dispute. The left argues that these things just happen. They're not that big a deal. The right argues it's proof of malfeasance. I'm not going to assert one way or the other, just that, you know, in one instance, they found like a bunch of votes that were like a USB drive and things like that. Okay. So Trump is always going to believe the most extreme version of events that benefit him. Why not? The left is always going to believe the most extreme version of events that uh, events that benefit them. So when Donald Trump hears this story, he immediately says, we got to call our guys in Georgia and figure out what's going on. So he calls and says, what is going on with these ballots? What's happening? And now we get to the, the, the question at hand. When Donald Trump says, find the votes or whatever, the left interpretation of this, and I believe willfully uh, misinterpreted and duplicitous, their interpretation is that Donald Trump was saying to fabricate votes by, quote, find votes. And I, I made this point a while ago by saying find votes in the context of just count them, Right. When Donald Trump said find the votes, he wasn't telling them to manufacture votes. He was saying, go down, do recounts, figure out what's going on. And you can tell that that was the case based on all of the other conversations that Donald Trump had had in various jurisdictions, talking about mail-in voting, talking about uh, votes being disqualified. He wasn't saying fabricate. He was saying the votes are there. What's going on? Now, you don't got to take his, his word for it. And so I won't. The point is this. In Georgia, the question, if they're saying he's going to go through this mugshot process, why would they not remand him to custody? Serious question. Now, in the simple, in the in the in the very simple sense of things, none of us want to see Trump remanded. It is nightmarish. 
It could destroy the fabric of this country. We're already seeing the fabric of this nation being torn to shreds by Joe Biden, the Democratic Party. But you got to think counterintuitively. And at this point, I'm just saying, I hope that Donald Trump is remanded to custody. I hope. Because it would, you know, some people are like, yeah, yeah, light it up, get it going. I don't think there will be mass riots or anything like this. I think that if Donald Trump is remanded to custody, it would be a shock to the system. You won't see Trump supporters going out and smashing anything like that. You won't. You will just see the largest fundraiser in the history of this country for Donald Trump. His polls will skyrocket by 20 or 30 percent. This is this is how it goes. This is this. I I just and and there's probably some other unforeseen things I can't think about. But you make a move like that against Trump and that's why they won't do it. They know if they actually carried through with what they should do based on their argument, it would help Trump in the most extreme way possible. So let me just simplify it. A man who owns multiple jets is a billionaire with properties in foreign countries who's been accused of being a Russian spy, tried to overthrow the U.S. government, they claim, and you're going to let him just go? The dude could hop on a plane and take off and you couldn't stop him. You want to talk about a flight risk? Donald Trump is the definition. But they won't do it. Because what they're actually doing is political manipulation. They don't actually believe what they're saying about Trump. They don't actually believe he tried to overthrow the government. They are just trying to cause political damage. Meet Donald Trump's air fleet. Look at this one. He's got a 757. What else did they mention? Um, he's got two helicopters. He's got a Cessna Citation X corporate jet 12-seater. Ooh, that's a nice one. You know, that one's got its own bathroom. Painted white, the plane features the Trump family crest. His 757, it's got, uh, what do they say? Uh, what is it? The plane seats 24 with one bedroom registered in Bermuda. They mentioned that uh, in this, uh, where do they say? Gold plated seat belts. So you mean to tell me you got a guy for aircraft is actually a major downside for Trump who used to own a fleet of 17. You mean to tell me that this guy this guy who tried to overthrow the U.S. and owns multiple jets, you're not going to remand. The dispatch, the new Trump indictment is less clear cut. The politics seems straightforward. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are praising this piece from the dispatch, saying it's a difficult case to prove because you got to prove Trump lied. And how do you do that? No one. Everyone's going to just say that, you know, Donald Trump believes all this stuff. But there's an important bit of information. Stephen L. Miller says a reminder that Biden directed Garland himself to charge Trump. In this snippet from a New York Times article, it says, but he does have opinions. In the past, Mr. Biden privately told his close circle of advisors that Mr. Trump posed a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted for his role in the events of January 6, according to two people familiar with his comments. He also told confidence, confidants that he wanted Attorney General Merrick B. Garland to stop acting like a ponderous judge and take decisive action. The attorney general's deliberative approach has come to frustrate Democratic allies of the White House and at times President Biden himself. As recently as late late last year, Mr. Biden confided to his inner circle that he believed former President Trump was a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted. OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Biden told Garland to do this. Joe Biden knew Donald Trump would win in 2024. Donald Trump is wrong about how he lost 2020. And that's fine. A lot of people are wrong about uh, 2020. There's a lot of information and a lot of uh, questionable things. But the issue at hand is that some people will say that the election was stolen. Okay, well, that's fine to say that. You just got to define what you mean by stolen. All right. Hillary Clinton said the election was stolen from her. She defined that by Russians interfered to help Trump. How was the election stolen in 2020 from Donald Trump? Initially, the big claims were that Donald Trump was still secretly the president who would be brought in and march the true date that America was a corporation, blah, all this other crazy stuff. And it's like, ugh, I roll. There were servers in Germany and the CIA to shoot out and there were satellites. Venezuela was engaging with manipulation. China was making f- fake ballots. Come on, guys. And when I call that out, people are like, you don't believe you're lying. That was fraud and blah, blah, blah. The real issue is simple. Mass ballot harvesting, that's, that's legal. Procedural changes. There were lawsuits about whether or not they were allowed to do, make these changes, but these were not Chinese spies dumping fake ballots. These were people in the United States who were zealous fanatics who went and did the work for Democrats and got people to sign off in nursing homes and otherwise. It was the COVID lockdowns, partly Trump's own fault. Partly, you know, he's not a governor, but he did support two weeks to slow the spread in the beginning, which kicked the whole thing off. He could have said no. And what ends up happening is that everyone's locked in their houses. They're extremely angry. There's mass rioting. And then someone knocks on their door and says, we can make it all go away. Just sign on the dotted line. A lot of Republicans were like, I I can't believe that Trump lost because down ballot Biden did. The Democrats didn't get votes. How is it that someone would vote for Joe Biden and not for the other Democrats? And I'm like, yo, that's easily explained. People went and knocked on a door and said, vote for Joe Biden and vote for everyone else. And they were like, I don't know about none of this stuff. And the people just vote for Biden, sign it and hand it off. You get a guy knocking on your door and you don't care. And you're like, guy, go away. He says, OK, well, I'm going to come back every day and knock on your door until you just hand me that little envelope right there. Republicans weren't doing this. And now don't get me wrong. There was lax signature verification. We saw we saw this where. A lot of the signatures were questionable, but they said, nah, it's fine. And it was, I think typically you get like around 1% rejection and they had like 0.1% rejection, meaning they were trying very hard to collect as many votes as possible for Joe Biden. I don't believe that it was Chinese fake ballots, double, you know, there are people like, but we all watched a video where the lady ran the ballots twice. When she put the, there's a video of this, it's true. A lady puts the ballots in, presses a button, picks them up, puts them back in. That does not mean it double counted ballots because the ballots, perhaps I'm assuming, are serialized. And either way, it could be something as simple as read error, please reinsert. And then everyone assumes something absolutely nefarious. And if you focus in on that, you ignore the more obvious things. There was a lawsuit. Forty eight states were involved over the legality of these election changes that bypassed state legislatures. That was how they did it. And they mentioned that there's a video of them pulling ballots from under a table. Watch the full security footage, because I did. And you can actually see them collect ballots from people, put them in the box, and then push them under the table. 
Several hours later, they pull them out and start counting those ballots. But when you only get a small snippet, the point is this. What they're trying to do is throw uh, uh, red meat at you to trick you into looking the wrong direction. How did they win? Mass mail-in voting, which they did again in the midterms. Voting in the park. Mail uh, drop boxes. They actually went out and collected ballots, ballot harvesting. And while Donald Trump was screaming about all this stuff and all these people were claiming all this weird conspiracy nonsense, the Democrats were laughing because they knew they got away with it. They had convinced Trump supporters to speak about the craziest things imaginable. It worked. It absolutely worked. Distracting them. People kept saying this is the funniest thing. Every month they'd be like on March, March 13th, Trump will be president. Then March 13th passes like it's actually going to be April 3rd. And then April 3rd passes. Well, it's actually going to be July. And I'm like, what is what is going on with these people who just believe this? And they did. And they did. The reality is this. As of right now, we know Joe Biden ordered Trump's arrest because he's desperately trying to stop his political opponent. That right there is the crime, is the criminal conspiracy that is happening before our eyes. They know that Trump did not do this. They know that Trump had legitimate questions. They know that Trump was advised by lawyers. Lawyers can be wrong. But the idea that lawyers can't advise you and all of this, the charges against Trump are predicated upon one fact. One question of fact. Did Donald Trump know he lost? Yeah, I think any sane person is going to say there's no way Trump thought he lost. There's no way Trump thought he lost. Trump is a celebrity. He's got a bit of an ego. He thinks he's the best. He kept his promises. He got more votes. And so let me break it down for you. The bellwether counties, typically never wrong. All of a sudden, all of them were wrong. There's an easy, easy explanation for that. Now, a lot of people don't want to believe the bellwether counties could be wrong, but I simply say this. It's possible something nefarious is afoot, but it's also plausible that with the mass exodus of, uh, from, from certain areas, from cities, because of COVID, it rapidly shifted voting patterns. Thus, you'll end up seeing high, uh, uh, you'll, you'll have like a voter turnout rate above 100%. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't investigate that, ask those questions. But if you get a bunch of people from one area moving to another area and then very quickly changing their vote and then registering, you'll say like, hey, last year there were 10,000 voters here and we got 13,000 votes today. Yes, because everybody left New York and went to the suburb or something like that. That's entirely possible. I think that was actually one of the one of the stories we had read. These things change the shape of how uh, the bellwether counties will react. But you go to Trump and say that he's going to be like, that proves it. And that's what a lot of Trump supporters are saying. How could it be possible? I'm not saying it's definitive. I'm saying it is possible demographic shift because of covid riots, lockdown. People were fleeing New York. Half a million people left Manhattan. Where are they going to go? They moved around to a bunch of different areas and it changed voting patterns. So that could have a big impact. But you go to Trump and you say that and he absolutely will believe he did not lose. And I think it's reasonable to ask questions about these shifts because they're dramatic. We've not seen them before. We've also not seen a mass lockdown like the COVID lockdowns. So who knows what to expect? But that means that Donald Trump's questions were legitimate. It means that Donald Trump had a right to challenge the results the way he did at the advice of legal counsel. And he did not commit any crimes. It means that Joe Biden, in my opinion, knows full well he cannot win without the lockdowns. How are they going to do mass mail-in voting when people are going to be too busy watching football, watching baseball, playing poker?
I got to tell you, man, last weekend, I'm hanging out at the casino, playing a game of poker with the boys. Orioles game is on the TV. Everybody's laughing, having a good time, and it is fantastic. You know, throughout the day, we do this political stuff. We get the serious. We get the weeds. We talk about the nightmare scenarios, the dystopia, the corruption and all that. And then we want to go relax, take some time with the family and the friends. And so over the weekend, that's what we do. And you know what? It is beauteous. So what happens this election cycle when you get Donald Trump overload, when you get people just saying, I can't take it anymore. And a lot of people do. They say, I'm burned out. I am so over this. They just they just, they just don't want to be involved. How will you get them to vote? Trump supporters are going to vote. Trump supporters are going to vote like zealots. You got Scott Pressler going around registering more and more voters. People are pissed, the people who pay attention. But these Democrats are going to be like, dude, don't care. Leave me alone. Y'all are nuts. These past several years under Biden have been horrifying. They've been strange and nightmarish. The Afghanistan debacle, inflation through the roof, World War Three, And you're going to say, come out and vote. And they're going to be like, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. The game is on. Now, hold on. Why wasn't that the case in 2020? Simple. There was no game. They were locked in a room. They couldn't leave. And the only thing they heard over and over again on every social media platform on television was Trump did this to you. And so finally, when someone knocked on the door and says, we can make it all go away, shiny mail and ballot, it works. But you're not going to have that this time around. Voter, I don't even want to say turnout, but voter participation will not be at the same levels. But for Trump voters, it will be. Joe Biden has nothing to offer you. He doesn't. That's why they must remove Donald Trump in the only way they can. They're throwing everything at him, death by a thousand cuts. The question will be, how will this turn out? Now, again, at 4 p.m. today, we'll see. But I believe if this was done by the book with, with legitimacy, Trump would be remanded to custody. But they won't do that because the real point is to cause political damage without causing political damage to themselves. The true law and order move would be Trump tried to do this. Therefore, he can't leave. The political move is let's cause damage to Trump, but make sure we don't benefit him in any way by making him a martyr. So we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Tucker Carlson had interviewed the former chief of police for the Capitol Police. In this leaked clip from the National Pulse, it appears to uh, have some heavy implications. The police chief saying that it appears January 6th was a cover up and that certain actors may have wanted January 6th to happen. And he's talking about law enforcement, not Donald Trump. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you piece this all together, it starts to look very strange. And a reasonable person might say, hey... Maybe Donald Trump is being set up. Now, I don't know that for sure. I think it is a reasonable assumption. But people often ask me, do I really think Donald Trump can win in 2024? Of course, I think he can win in 2024. He won in 2016. 
And they say, yeah, but he didn't win in 2022. Sure. Because he made mistakes. Because Republicans made mistakes. Democrats played dirty. But they had to play dirty. This idea that Trump cannot win is predicated upon an assumption. The deep state, the bureaucratic state, the permanent government, whatever you want to call it, has such pronounced control over the whole system that they need not do anything. But that's just not true. This clip shows that there are efforts underway, or at least I should say suggests efforts are undertaken in desperation to try and stop Donald Trump. That is, Trump absolutely could win. Now, I want to play this clip for you. And then I want to talk about uh, some of the, the, the new developments that are coming through with what's going on and what's happening with Donald Trump's indictment. New information, of course. But uh, uh, consider in this clip, it is choppy for some reason. I'm not sure exactly why the National Pulse got this clip from uh, uh, it's, a, it's Tucker Carlson's show, Tucker Carlson Today. Of course, he's now producing his own show. We've got information about Joe Biden as well. They titled this Fox News deletes Capitol Police chief saying it was a cover up in Tucker Carlson interview. So it is choppy, but I'm going to play this clip for you now very, oh, shout very out to, uh, to uh, National Pulse. They released this, but it's Im- important that we comment on this. They're very oh. restrained and rational and not given an yeah. overstatement, obviously. But the facts that you are describing are shocking. The reason why I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, why did you write this book? I try to do what I can to get the truth out. Yes. You know, they didn't want me to testify in uh, in February, on February 23rd at the Senate hearing. They only wanted people that are still currently in the positions. I actually had to go in and talk to a friend of mine on one of the oversight committees to say, I will come there in person. I want to be there. I want to testify. So I'm glad you think I'm reserved. I'm, you know, to be honest with you, I'm a little pissed off um, because it, it didn't have to happen. If, if people were. He said this didn't have to happen. He chopped up, but you can. It sounds like that's what he said. He says it again. Reporting the intelligence correctly. If. I was allowed to do my job as the chief. I got a significant experience. If I was allowed to do my job as the chief, we wouldn't be here today. This didn't happen. Then see how you're out there, you're lambasted in public, and it's all, you know, everything appears to be a cover-up. Like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but when you look at the information the intelligence that it had, military had, uh, it's all watered down. I'm not getting intelligence. I'm denied support National Guard in advance. I'm denied National Guard while we're under attack for 71 minutes. You're in a f- he was denied National Guard. Fight. Yeah. A fight for a couple of minutes. Yeah, one wears minute. You out. One minute. <laughs> I was going to say, 60 seconds, three minutes. Yeah, exactly. Let me tell you, it wears you out. My officers were fighting for 80 minutes before the, the protesters ever broke the person with that. Wait, can I say, so you described this as a failure to get the intelligence to the people who needed it, but it sounds like Worse than it sounds like they were hiding so, the intelligence. And that's what I'm getting at is could there possibly be that actually did something to happen and kind of wanted something to happen? They kind of wanted something to happen. Doesn't it's not a far stretch to begin. Well, to I don't know what that. the other explanation is. You know, it's it's sad when you start putting everything together and thinking about the way this played out. And I'll also mention two things one, police opening the doors. And waving people into the extent that there was one individual who was acquitted of all charges because you can see on video the cops waving him in. You also have uh, another video where a man walks up to two police officers and says, why aren't you stopping this? And the cops do nothing. I got to tell you, I've, I've made the point before. If Donald Trump did not order the police out, 
on May 29th, he would still be president. I'll elaborate on that, but let's watch more of this clip. Uh, it gets concerning. What was their end goal? You look at you look at what's happening. Was that their end goal? I don't know. Well, I mean, there's no question that what happened on January 6th has has really helped the Democratic Party. It's bravely politicized the U.S. military and the intelligence agencies and the yeah. FBI. And those are all, I think, bad for America and violations of the Constitution, but they're all good for the Democratic Party. That's the fact. Like, that's what happened. Absolutely. And I, I write about that because as a cop of 30 years, I'm a, I'm a rule of law type of guy. Yeah. You know, there's a reason that Lady Justice is depicted with a blindfold. As soon as you cut that blindfold off, the fairness of our legal system goes out, goes out the window. And that is exactly what has happened. They have stripped that blindfold away from Lady Justice. And no, it's not perceived as being fair anymore. This interview, of course, was conducted. Uh, let me make sure I get that national very restrained. Uh, logo in there at the end, because shout out to them. This is this is, uh, you know, they, they sourced this clip. Of course, this interview was done well before Donald Trump was indicted because of January 6th. Now, part of the indictment, uh, much of it has to do with Donald Trump trying to defraud the United States is the argument they're making. But January 6th plays a role in about half of the charges against him, that Donald Trump instructed people to engage in the behavior they did. It's all lies. It's all lies. And now we can see how the story progresses. January 6th rider who took a Carlson guest said was a Fed is arrested by FBI. So here's some latest news. Once again, they're saying, oh, but look, this guy was uh, was arrested. That proves it. Well, NBC News is not saying that. They're saying he got arrested. Yeah, this is meaningless. This, look, informants get arrested all the time. Agents get arrested all the time. The arrests are show arrests. They're mock arrests. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I just thought this was important to bring up as it uh, pertains to, to Tucker Carlson. We also have this story from The Guardian. Tucker Carlson claims in book Fox News firing was part of $787.5 million settlement. We've heard this one before. However, it's also been suggested, the reason I bring this one up, that the reason Tucker was fired was because of that clip we just saw, that Tucker was bringing on individuals, casting doubt on January 6th and how it all went down. Could it have been orchestrated in some way by individuals who wanted it to happen because they needed a pretext to accuse Trump of being an insurrectionist? Perhaps. In this story from the New York Times from January, they actually talk about Stephen A. Sund in his book, Ex-Capitol Police Chief False Intelligence Officials and Military in January 6th Attack. Stephen A. Sund wrote in his new book that intelligence possessed by the FBI and other agencies should have had them seeing red. He also criticized the military's slow response to the siege. Now, despite the fact that he wrote this book and he laid out his view of what happened back in January, the New York Times view is that he's blaming their failures. When he actually talked with Tucker Carlson, he suggested, heavily implied, that someone wanted January 6th to happen. Now, many have speculated that there were intelligence agents that were encouraging all of this stuff to go down. There are questions about how Ray Epps was able to effectively get away with directly inciting the storming of the Capitol. He's on camera several times telling people to go into the building, instructing people to go to the Capitol. Yeah. Look, you know, if I were a betting man, if you came to me and asked me to place a bet, did elements of the Democratic Party and corrupt individuals want January 6th to happen? Yes or no? I'd bet yes. 
I mean, if you could definitively prove it, I just I would be willing to put the money on. Yes, easily. Because this is what people ask me when it comes to Donald Trump running in 2024. Oh, he's running now, but running for the for, for the presidency 2024. Do you think he can actually win? And of course, I say yes. But their response is always the deep state, the intelligence agencies, the Democrats, they will pull out every stop and do everything within their power to make sure that Trump cannot be president again. Yeah, they're evil. Jack Smith, the prosecutor, evil. Oh, I can break down why they're evil. It's really, really simple. Now, some may say, you know, a lot of these leftists and secularists and liberals would be like, there's no good or evil. It's philosophical. There's good and evil. There really is. And I look at good and evil in a couple different ways. There are uh, there are moral absolutes. And these moral absolutes exist because I'm not saying morals are absolute, but there are some absolute morals like, you know, don't kill people exists everywhere in every culture. There is a problem with killing the innocent unprovoked. Now, when it comes to the broader idea of killing people, of course, self-defense and justice and things like that play a role. But for the most part, we have there are there are universal elements to life in this existence that we hold to be true. And they are. And I say I'll say this, you know, when I say absolute, I'm I am being a bit hyperbolic. Of course, there are evil people. And that's why I call them evil who feel that they have a right to take innocent life, to do whatever they want. That's the point. That's what evil is. When you can see that overwhelmingly 99.9999% of people don't want the innocent to be harmed, and we desperately try to save the lives of individuals, even our own enemies, you can see those that act with malice and seek to harm individuals for for no other reason than their self-gratification or pleasure. That's what I would define as evil. And you can argue that it's not really because they subjectively view themselves as right. Yeah, but no. They're acting in a, a deviant manner. So what do I see with the Democrats and Jack Smith? You can argue that the intelligence agencies are doing this because they want to preserve the American power structure, the liberal economic order, Western values to prevent China from taking over. Western values are truth, honesty, peace, democratic institutions, constitutions. If these individuals truly feel they're good, but would impose dictatorial regime policy to win power, they're evil. They're exactly the same thing that they claim to be fighting. Thus, all I really see is a bunch of evil, disgusting, twisted monsters claiming that they're fighting evil, disgusting, twisted monsters. And therein lies the great challenge of the moral, uh, the moral war. Do we recognize that if we adopt the tactics of evil, we become evil? Do we recognize that if we refuse to strike back with appropriate means, we lose. It's a great conundrum, my friends. If you know your opponent is cheating, do you decide to be a cheater as well because you want to win? Or do you refuse to cheat knowing that you will lose? It's tough, isn't it? If you lose, congratulations, you've lost power and evil wins. If you engage in evil tactics, congratulations, evil wins. There's only one hope that I have. The power of goodness, honesty, integrity, true American values and meritocracy, personal responsibility can just be strong enough to overcome evil. And that's what I see with these individuals, which brings me to this tweet from Judd Lagoon. Judd Lagoon, I don't know if I could say is evil or just an apparatus of evil, but I can show you, uh, I can prove to you they're lying 
manipulating cheating and stealing to gain power. Much of it could be based on ignorance. Some people do evil things because they're completely ignorant and, they, and they're well-intentioned. That could be this guy. Let me read you this thread. Judd Legume says Washington Post, Axios, CNN, and New York Times are all reporting that to convict Trump, Jack Smith has to prove Trump knew he was lying about the 2020 election. Trump's lawyers is sa- lawyer is saying the same thing, and so is Fox. The problem with his analysis is it's completely wrong. In fact, it's not wrong. It, it is correct. Judd Legume, looking around at everyone, including liberal media outlets, the New York Times, for instance, and saying, I'm not the one who's wrong. You're, you're all wrong. Yeah, you're the odd person out. There's a reason why legal analysis from left to right says the same thing. You got to prove Trump knew he was lying. He goes on to say, a successful prosecution does not hinge on what Trump believed about the 2020 election. If Trump is convicted, it will be based on his actions. Trump had a right to lie about the 2020 election, whether or not he believed his own lies. Okay, well, hold on. Lie is intentional misinformation. Being wrong is not lying. It's just being wrong. He says the problem is Trump working in concert with his co-conspirators. Let's slow down there a minute and say his lawyers pursued unlawful means of discounting legitimate votes and subverting the election results. Unlawful in what way? Challenging whether or not any vote is real. I can watch you fill out a ballot and drop it in the box. And then I can say I will file a legal challenge. Not illegal. Not illegal to do so. So in what way was it unlawful? Well, he continues. Judd says, the indictment details how Trump conspired to create fake sets of electors in seven states. Then it sent these slates of electors to the Senate and the U.S. archivist in an attempt to cling to power. If proven, that's illegal, regardless of what Trump believed. And this is where Judd has just made it up completely. That's it. He just made this up. For what precedent in on what grounding does he have to say it is illegal to have alternate electors? In fact, it has been done before. Case in point, a tweet from me. Remember when Democrats refused to accept the results of the election so they convened their own electors to cast votes despite the state being certified Republican? In Hawaii in 1960, Nixon was winning by a small margin. Acting Governor James K. Uh, K. Aloha certified the Republican electors and they cast Hawaii's three electoral votes for Nixon. However, clear discrepancies existed in the official electoral tabulations and Democrats uh, petitioned for a recount. The court challenge was still ongoing at the time of the Electoral Counts uh, Act safe harbor deadline, but Democratic electors still convened at the Lulani Palace on the constitutionally mandated date of December 19th and cast their votes for Kennedy. How could it be that Donald Trump believed he could have Republican electors cast ballots, fill out the paperwork, send it to the Senate, and then have those votes counted? Historical precedence. It had been done before, was never challenged, and is presumed legal in all capacities because it is a part of our history. While seven states may be a bit more than the one state of Hawaii, let me make it clear. Democrats convened electors despite having lost the election, despite no resolution from the courts, sent those electors to the Senate, and Richard Nixon as vice president chose, despite Republican certification, to count Democrat votes instead. Historical precedents staring you right in the face. They can't just ignore that. It is a fact. This happened. It was legally done. And is canon. JFK wins. Richard Nixon as vice president chose which votes to count. Despite the fact the Republicans were certified, Nixon said, no, I'm counting the uncertified alternate electors anyway. It was considered honorable that he did. 
Back to the post from Judd Lagoon. He says, you can legitimately legitimately believe you won the election and there are legitimate ways to press the claim forward, like filing a lawsuit. Creating a fake set of electors and then pressuring your VP to declare them valid electors is not one of your legal options. In fact, Judd is once again just making this up because if he did any research on historical precedent, he'd see, in fact, this has been done before. So on what grounds does he have to make the argument you can't do it when historically it's been done? He then cites Mark Elias, a Democrat who's filing legal challenges for Democrats, to make an analogy which makes no sense in justification. He says, I talked to Mark Elias, who explained it this way. I walk into a bank and I think they are wrongfully holding my money. I think my balance is $5,000. They think my balance is zero. That doesn't excuse me from robbing the bank. I can't pull out a gun and take the money. Hmm. Did Donald Trump pull out a gun? You mean that Donald Trump convened a set of bank managers to go in and dispute the case? Is that it? Okay, so let's slow this down and, and go for the real analogy. You walk into a bank and you say, here's my, my statement showing $5,000. And they say, actually, your account is zero. So you say, okay, well, I've got about two months to deal with this. So I'm going to file a lawsuit against you over the claim that I have $5,000. And then you do. Okay. Yes, you're allowed to do that. Donald Trump filed legal challenges. They then say, but... But Donald Trump convened a false slate of electors. Let me play to your analogy, good sir. Donald Trump brings together a slate of expert bank managers, some who've had previously worked for the organization, some who are in the running for promotions to higher levels, but were deeply involved and said in sworn statements that, yes, you have $5,000, right? And then you go to court and say, there it is. You then demand the judge Look at your evidence and support your evidence. Hey, hey, seems like it really comes down to those who would be adjudicating all legally done, all legal challenges. And then Mike Pence could simply say yes or no. That's it, huh? It's illegal to tell the judge you think that they should count your your uh, evidence over the opponent's evidence. That's what court is. He says Smith spent times on evidence establishing Trump knew he was lying to show Trump's motivation. He's not required to prove motive under the law, but juries generally are looking for motive. In the case Smith is showing, blah, 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 blah. You get the point. Ultimately, here's what matters. Donald Trump will be convicted. I do not see any scenario where Donald Trump is acquitted. The Supreme Court may intervene and shut this down, perhaps. But even Alan Dershowitz said if that happens, he'll be convicted first. It'll be appealed, struck down, appealed again. The Supreme Court will be like, no way, no way. But we'll see. With all of these charges against Trump, I don't see a scenario where he's acquitted. These are all liberal jurisdictions. Now, I've said this before, you're in a civil war. I'll explain it. I'll explain it this way. Democrats don't want Trump to win. They know they can't win. Trump's winning in the polls. He's already beating Biden. Biden has failed. They're using the power of law enforcement in their jurisdictions where their jury pools hate Donald Trump. The country is divided as such that it is all but guaranteed that when they convene a jury, like in D.C., which is 92 percent Democrat or something like that, they're going to vote to convict the guy. That will not be a fair trial. I'd like to make one last point about the indictment. Section 100, page 36. 
On January 6th, starting in the early morning hours, the defendant again turned to knowingly false statements aimed at pressuring the vice president to fraudulently alter the election outcome and raised publicly the false expectation that the vice president might do so. False. How many times did knowingly false, fraudulent, false? If Donald Trump read a history book and saw that Democrats had done this in 1960, in what way did he think it was not true? These are the lies they're putting forward. Now, ultimately, the clip from Tucker Carlson suggests these people are demonic. I mean, figuratively, not literally, although some people may mean it literally. They're evil. They are evil, power hungry psychopaths. But they understand that power is what you is, 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 is what wins. We can stand on righteousness and hope that prevails. That's the best we can do. But in the meantime, you can clearly see Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, deeply corrupt, deeply evil, self-interested people. Joe Biden told Merrick Garland to do this. They know what they're doing. They're just evil. There's no excuse. You can tell me that uh, these guys could come to me and say, look, man, we know it's, it's crossed the line, but if China wins this one and Trump is not doing what's right by this country, I'll be like, oh, OK, so you're lying to steal power for your way of life. Sorry, evil. Now you can argue that you're the lesser of the evils. Fine, whatever. Still evil. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. Uh, I'm sorry, at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. My friends, I think we're getting through to them. I think they may be ready to ask themselves as they look into the mirror. What if we're the bad guys here? You think? These, uh, uh, I love these leftists on YouTube. They're like, we're here to support the working class. And then they're all like privileged elites of academia, wealth and means. They're like, the government should pay off all of our student loan debt, which basically means taxing the poor working class to pay for the highest income earners in the country. Yo, you're the bad guys. It's really simple. But hey, shout out to David Brooks. And I mean this sincerely for a well thought out piece breaking down why they're the bad guys. And he nails it. So much of it. I'm impressed. Of course, I think the dude realized he is the bad guy. But because you can't just go to a bunch of Democrats and be like, look, everything we're doing is evil. We have to stop because they won't listen. He still says, but Trump is bad and we are well-intentioned. But uh, something happened to this guy. And uh, he must have woke up in a cold sweat two in the morning and said, my word, we're evil. And they finally realized it. They realized why they're the bad guys. Let me read for you why. David Brooks, he writes, Donald Trump seems to get indicted on a weekly basis, yet he is utterly dominating his Republican rivals in the polls. And he is tied with Joe Biden in the general election surveys. Let me slow down there for you. He's actually beating Biden in some polls. Just saying tied ain't enough. Trump's poll numbers are stronger against Biden now than at any time in 2020. What's going on here? Why is this guy still politically viable after all he's done? We anti-Trumpers often tell a story to explain it. It was encapsulated in a quote the University of North Carolina political scientist Mark Hetherington gave to my colleague Thomas B. Edsel recently. Republicans see a world changing around them uncomfortably fast, and they want it to slow down, maybe even take a step backward. But if you are a person of color, a woman who values gender equality or an LGBT person, 
Would you want to go back to 1963? I doubt it. In this story, we anti-Trumpers are the good guys, the forces of progress and enlightenment. The Trumpers are reactionary bigots and authoritarians. Many Republicans support Trump no matter what, according to this story, because at the end of the day, he's still the bigot in chief, the embodiment of their resentments. And that's what matters to them most. I partly agree with this story, but it's also a monument to elite self-satisfaction. So let me try another story on you. I ask you to try on a vantage point in which we anti-Trumpers are not the eternal good guys. In fact, we're the bad guys. They're starting to figure it out. Finally, this story begins in the 1960s when high school grads had to go off to fight in Vietnam. But the children of the educated class got college deferments. It continues into the 1970s when the authorities imposed busing on working class areas in Boston, but not on the upscale communities like Wellesley, where they themselves lived. The ideal that we're all in this together was replaced with the reality that the educated class lives in a world up here and everybody else is forced into a world down there. Members of our class are always publicly speaking out for the marginalized, but somehow we always end up building systems that serve ourselves. The most important of those systems is the modern meritocracy. We built an entire social order that sorts and excludes people on the basis of the quality that we possess most, academic achievement. Highly educated parents go to elite schools, marry each other, work at high paying professional jobs and pour enormous resources into our children who get into the same elite schools, marry each other and pass their exclusive class privileges down from generation to generation. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daniel Markovitz summarized years of research in his book, The Meritocracy Trap. Today, middle class children lose out to the rich children at school. And middle class adults lose out to elite graduates at work. Meritocracy blocks the middle class from opportunity. Then it blames those who lose a competition for income and status that even when everyone plays by the rules, only the rich can win. Which brings me to our good friends, the YouTube elite, the bread tubers, the academics, the people who make these YouTube videos where they use large words to describe their ideas that are hard for the average person to understand and often don't make any sense because the purpose is to sound intelligent with obscure small words and very long, obscure words, no, to put it simply. This is what they do. They go to the elite schools. They take on debt to do so. Claim they're underprivileged, then expect trade workers to pay their bills. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Those who are settled in debt are not the same as the elites who get to go to school because their parents pay for it, but they are just one step below that. And now, They, wanting desperately to suckle the teat of the corrupt elites, would make you, the working class, pay their bills. Hey, they're starting to figure it out. The meritocracy isn't only a system of exclusion, it's an ethos. During his presidency, Obama used the word smart in the context of his policies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get what you're trying to say. They're going to talk about Ivy League schools, et cetera, et cetera. Members of our class also segregate ourselves into a few booming metro areas, SF, DC, Austin, and so on. In 2020, Biden won only 500 or so counties, but together they are responsible for 71% of the American economy. Trump won over 2,500 counties, 
responsible for only 29%. Interestingly, though, the vote was still fairly split 50-50. What does that mean? In these 500 or so counties, it is a dense population. You do have 71% of the economy, but that's because you are the wealthy elites. That's about it. And so they're voting for their interests. In his book, Social Class in the 21st Century, sociologist Mike Savage and his co-researchers found that the members of the highly educated class tend to be the most insular, measured by how often we have contact with those who have jobs unlike our own. Armed with all kinds of economic, cultural, and political power, we support policies that help ourselves. Free trade makes the products we buy cheaper, and our jobs are unlikely to be moved to China. Open immigration makes our service staff cheaper, but new, less educated immigrants aren't likely to put downward pressure on our wages. Like all elites, we use language and mores as tools to recognize one another and exclude others. Using words like problematic, cisgender, Latinx, and intersectional is a sure sign that you've got cultural capital coming out of your ears. Meanwhile, members of the less educated classes have to walk on eggshells because they never know when we've changed the usage rules so that something that was sayable five years ago now gets you fired. We also change the moral norms in ways that suit ourselves, never, never mind the cost to others. For example, there used to be a norm that discouraged people from having children outside of marriage, but that got washed away during our period of cultural dominance as we eroded norms that seemed judgmental or that might inhibit individual freedom. After this social norm was eroded, a funny thing happened. Members of our class still overwhelmingly married and then had children within wedlock. People without our resources, unsupported by social norms, were less able to do that. As Adrian Wooldridge points out in his magisterial 2021 book, The Aristocracy of Talent, 60% of births to women with only a high school certificate occur out of wedlock, compared with only 10% to women with a university degree. That matters, Wooldridge continues, because the rate of single parenting in the most significant pr- uh, predictor of social immobility in this country. Let me slow it down for you. They push policies they don't adhere to. They claim they're helping everybody, but they're burning the whole thing down. They don't follow the same norms as you. And South Park hit the nail on the head with the hammer. They point this out all the time. Rules for thee, but not for me. They will say, you should have kids, do whatever you want, go party. Do they? No, they don't. They're the prestigious upper crust. Pinkies out is proper. They tell you, go abort your kids, sterilize your kids. But what do we see with, say, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt? Why? When their child came out as trans, they did not get emergency surgery interventions. And now their child is a normal, well-to-do, liberal female. Meanwhile, other kids are sterilized. And now lawsuits are popping up all over the place. You know what they're really doing? It's quite simple. Many of them know they're the bad guys. They know. And they don't want you to exist. You, the lowly worker. The low merit, the low intelligence. They... They're better men, of course. As Alex Jones put it, they have laid the bear traps, placed them all around you, told them, th- told you they're there. And if you step into it, it's your fault. You weren't paying attention. And that's where we are. He goes on to make a bunch of similar points, but he ultimately says Trump should go to jail. But now I hope you understand why people believe the things they do. But I want to go back to the beginning to this quote and address it. Republicans see a world changing around them uncomfortably flat fast, and they want it to slow down, maybe even take a step backward. But if you're a person of color, woman who values gender equality or an LGBT person, would you want to go back to 1963? I doubt it. What a vacuous, insipid, 
and moronic statement. This person who who said this has no factual understanding of the world around him. He got his news from CNN, wrote a quote, and is now being quoted because he's a political scientist. So let's break this one down bit by bit. The world changing around you uncomfortably fast. I would say that's true and correct. But changing in what way is the question? The implication is that change is always good. Republicans see a world changing changing around them in very devastating and bad ways, such as, I don't know, them putting books in schools that have sexual gratuitous images in them. You call that changing too fast? It's just exposing kids to nasty garbage. How about the next one? A person of color. So uh, have you read Derek Bell? They do want to go back to 1963. The, the critical race theorists want segregation. Derek Bell argued in favor of school segregation and still does. And he is one of the foremost authorities on critical race theory. Did you even read this, dude? No, they didn't. An LGBT person certainly would not want to go back to 1963, but the argument being made right now by the prominent faction of the LGBTQIA2S plus or whatever is to put these books in schools that are gratuitous. And now you've got gays against groomers. Certainly there is a split. And I'd argue some LGBT people do want to go back in time. I don't know about the 1960s, but you know, and then gender equality. If you're a person who values gender equality, Are you currently arguing for males to dominate female spaces or to expose themselves in women's locker rooms? Clearly, you have no idea what you're talking about. But I can just say, when David Brooks writes, what if we're the bad guys here? I can appreciate the sentiment, the introspection. And I say, good on you, good sir. But there is so much more to this puzzle that you're missing. The privileged elites isolate themselves, give themselves whatever they want. They're associates in media act like they're oppressed. They make these YouTube videos where they're like, clearly the left is the most correct way to approach things and we should forgive student debt. The rich people arguing to take from the poor once again while claiming that they are actually the oppressed. No, you're the bourgeoisie, the merchant class, the intelligentsia. Well, to those intelligentsia calling for revolution, I strongly recommend you read about the Soviet Union and what happened to the intelligentsia. I strongly recommend you take a look at Poland and what happened to the intelligentsia. For when revolution comes a calling, you are the first ones against the wall. Thanks for hanging out. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. I'll leave it there and I'll see you all then. While the whole world patiently awaits the news about Donald Trump and his arraignment, there are still questions about whether or not Joe Biden is corrupt. I mean, questions among many on the left. I think most of us understand, yes, he is. He was deeply involved with Hunter Biden's business. He was selling political influence while he was the vice president. And boy, do we have more evidence. Sure. From the Daily Mail. Hunter got a Porsche after bringing Joe to dinner with a Kazakh oligarch. Devin Archer's full testimony on how Biden brand was used as intimidation by Burisma and the then VP's 20 meetings with his son's business partners is released. $142,000 car. Wow. Thanks for bringing Joe around. This is the game. They will say that Joe Biden never actually talked business. He doesn't need to. But of course he did. I mean, it's insane to think that Joe Biden shows up to these business meetings and then speaks nothing of the projects they're working on. 
But even if that was the case, it's quite simple. Hunter Biden sits down with a powerful oligarch or world leader or whatever and says, I want X, Y and Z done now. And the world leader says, what are you going to do about it? Then Hunter takes his phone, dials Joe, holds the phone up and says, hey, dad, I'm sitting here with so and so. How are you doing? And then Joe says, I hope everything's going well, my friends. I hope we're having a good time. And the guy goes, OK, 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 OK. That's basically what Devin Archer is explaining, that you can make the argument that Joe Biden never actually told anybody to do anything. But the threat is clear. It's intimidation. The vice president of the United States is on the phone right now saying, I hope everything's working, working out well for you, son. You know, I always got your back sends a clear message to those at the negotiating table of what they really mean. And of course, then Joe can be like, I don't know. I don't know what he was talking about. Come on. Hunter Biden's ex-business partner, Devin Archer, told Congress that Joe Biden's intimidating influence directly led to his son receiving huge sums of foreign money and a $142,300 Porsche. According to the full transcript of this testimony obtained by Daily Mail on Thursday, Archer said that the Biden brand acted as protection for Ukraine oil company Burisma because people would be intimidated to mess with them. Hunter's presence on Burisma's board and access to his father, then vice president, led, the, led to the company's longevity because they had the capabilities to navigate D.C., Archer said, according to the transcript. Now, of course, we know, thanks to Tucker Carlson's interview with Devin Archer, Joe Biden sent him a thank you letter. That's right. Joe Biden sent Devin Archer a thank you letter saying, sorry, I couldn't be there. Here's a letter. Thank you. Why? I thought he never talked to his son's associates. I thought he had nothing to do with any of this. You get it. Joe Biden, like so many other political elite families, was doing exactly what we expected them to do. Sell our nation's soul for cash for themselves. That's the name of the game. Donald Trump's no saint. Donald Trump uh, had uh, Trump uh, properties advertised on government websites. Not a good thing either. Not a good thing either. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I think Trump should be heavily criticized for a lot of what he did. But when I look at the scale of good and evil, nobody's perfect. Nobody hits everything perfectly. It's impossible. I look at the Biden family and I see a massive net negative. They skew into the evil side. I see Donald Trump doing things that I think are wrong, but I think overwhelmingly the positive things he did put him into the net positive side. Maybe it's only by one point, two, three, four, five, whatever. But the Abraham Accords were good. Peace in the Middle East. Can you believe it? A timeline for the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Big fan. Not a fan of nation building. Destroying ISIS. Donald Trump did a lot of things very well. Yeah, he did some bad things he should be called out for. And I will stress, we should have a criminal investigation into the death of the eight year old American girl who was killed in a commando raid in Yemen. 
I'd like to know what happened, how it happened and who's responsible. Maybe that's Trump. He ordered it. Big difference between Barack Obama blowing up an American citizen by dropping a bomb on a civilian restaurant in a country we're not at war with. But I, I, I say no special treatment. None. Of course, as I often say, they'll never go after Donald Trump for that because then they'd have to go and arrest Obama and probably Joe Biden, too. There you go. I don't think anything you can accuse Trump of uh, would rise the level of what Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were doing. If, you know, you've got a Trump property advertised on a st- on a government website, that's just like, hey, don't do that, man. That's not a criminal action. It's just don't do that. Donald Trump wanted to have the G7 at Trump Doral in Florida. Everyone said no. And he said, fine, sure, whatever. Yeah, that's it. Slap on the wrist. Don't do it. Have a nice day. Hunter Biden was peddling influence for a long time. Joe Biden's brother was getting lucrative contracts, according to Politico magazine. And there were questions about, uh, I believe, directly to Joe about what he would do to stop his brother and his son from profiting off his position. It's like, oh, they're not doing anything wrong. Yet Joe was profiting off of their uh, off of his position. Hunter's best friend and business associate sat with him on Burisma's board beginning in 2014. They also started Rosemont Seneca Partners, an investment advisory firm together. He confirmed that Hunter put Joe on speakerphone 20 times during business meetings over a 10 year period, which was a signal of value. And Hunter used his dad as defensive leverage. He also told lawmakers that Joe Joe sat and had dinner in person on at least two occasions with Hunter and his foreign business partners, who then wired money almost immediately after to Biden affiliated companies. In the spring of 2014, Joe joined Hunter and a handful of his business partners for dinner at Cafe Milano in D.C. Those at the dinner included uh, Kenneth Rakashev, Karim Masimov, Yelena Baturina, and possibly Eric Sh- uh, Schwerin. Archer confirmed that Joe was present long enough to eat dinner with the group. Following the dinner, $3.5 million was wired from Russian billionaire Yelena Baterina into Rosemont Seneca Thornton on February 14th. On April 22nd, $142,300 was wired into Rosemont Seneca Bohai account from Kenis Rakashev, a businessman from Kazakhstan, who was also at the Cafe Milano. The payment was made as a gift to Hunter, who received an expensive car. Archer told the committee, I believe it was a Fisker first and then a Fisker first and then a Porsche. Really amazing stuff. Hunter took a picture of himself while driving a Porsche 172 miles per hour on a highway outside Las Vegas in 2018, according to pictures found on his abandoned laptop. It was not immediately clear if the Porsche gifted by Hunter was the same vehicle, but I think we can just go ahead and assume it probably was. The then vice president also sat in on another dinner with Hunter and his partners in 2015 at Cafe Milano. During another dinner with Burisma executives at the Four Seasons, Hunter said he would be able to get help from D.C. in order to relieve some government pressure on the company. Archer testified that Burisma was getting pressure. And as a result, they requested Hunter, you know, help them get some of that with help with uh, some of that pressure. He said it was government pressure from the ongoing Ukrainian investigation into the company at the time, led by top prosecutor Shokin. But yes, there was constant pressure. And it was like it was like whack-a-mole in regards to the pressures they had to resolve, said Archer. He said that the Burisma executives weren't specific in asking directly, can the big guy help? Rather, they used amorphous terms like, can we get help in D.C.? And it's already been reported that they reached out to D.C. And then what happened? Hunter Biden's father personally flies to Ukraine and says, I will block 
$1 billion in loan guarantees unless you fire the prosecutor. And they did. And they did. It's all laid out right in front of us what Joe Biden was doing. And here he sits as some pathetic, demented old man being held up. And and this is what offends me the most. The Biden crime family. Stop making him sound so cool. He's just a dirty politician who has brain uh, injuries. Okay, and this is where we're at. The exploitation, the manipulation. This is what we get. This is what we get in this country. It's amazing. In 2016, Joe Biden is alleged to have threatened to withhold a billion dollars in aid. Alleged to have. Yo, Biden admitted to doing it. Amazing. Archer added that Hunter Biden would refer to his father as my guy, which Republicans noted following the closed door testimony. According to the transcript, Hunter was getting paid a lot of money by Burisma and wanted to show value by getting credit for Joe Biden's Ukraine trip in 2014. I can't guide my father in what he's going to do on this trip, but let's get credit for it. Archer said Hunter was thinking by referring to his dad as my guy. Exhibit two in the attachments also showed Hunter on email as Robert writing to Archer in April 2014, saying our guy needs to set himself up as the anti-Victor Pinchuk, coal and steel oligarch. At the time, Joe Biden was leading the U.S. anti-corruption efforts abroad. Do you see what the game is here? Man, this stuff pisses me off. These people are evil. They have sold us out and they are burning our country to the ground. And it's your future. It's your kid's future. Vote Trump 2024 is all I can say. We'll see. I'm a big fan of Vivek. I'm interested to see what the Libertarian Party has to offer, but I'm, I'm here to win. And the Republicans better step up. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The images in this story are graphic, and as such, they have been blurred. It's a sad story. Uh, I, I feel really bad for this woman. Mary Costantino, she's 50, a Democrat mercilessly beaten by a homeless attacker in Portland, and she's now switched to Republican. You see, I look at all these big issues pertaining to esoteric news stories about corruption and shady dealings, and I'm passionate about those things. I deeply care about what Hunter and Joe Biden were secretly doing, what's going on with Trump's indictments, but the average American, probably not. What convinces people when they get smashed in the face with a with an aluminum bottle an aluminum uh, water bottle. And then question why it is crime is skyrocketing, prices are going up, and Democrats have done nothing about it. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Daily Mail, Portland doctor knocked out by a homeless attacker reveals bloody wounds to her face and blames the city for slow police response, claiming she changed her vote from Democrat to Republican in Portland, no less. A Portland doctor who was knocked out by a homeless attacker has revealed the wounds to her face. Radiologist Mary Costantino was attacked late Friday night shortly after 1030 in the Oregon city while walking with a friend. Shocking surveillance footage of the incident shows a man throw a large silver bottle directly at the 50 year old, rendering her unconscious. Speaking to Fox News Digital, Constantino said she woke up on the ground and was sure she was about to be killed and immediately called 911. Constantino has also now taken a swipe at the city for the poor response time to the situation 
and said the deterioration of public safety in Portland has now led her to change her voting habits from Democrat to Republican. So this is a blurred image that you, you can't really see anything, but you get a general idea showing a black eye and injuries. Here's another photo. I, I'm sorry. I had to blur it. It's graphic stuff I don't want to show. Speaking of Fox, she said, I thought we were still being sort of attacked in some way. I was like, I'm going to just try to verbalize a report of what's happening. So there's some record of how I died. As she became more coherent, she realized she was not dying and that she had been, in fact, struck in the face by an aluminum water bottle. Surveillance footage shows the moment the unprovoked assault happened, with police now seeking help in capturing the suspect. Costantino can be seen walking with her friend on the far right of the shot as other people walked on the sidewalk. Seconds later, a man viciously throws the bottle at Constantino, who immediately is knocked out and falls to the ground. The man then continues toward the pair, with Constantino now on the ground as her friend manages to keep the man at bay. Police have described the man as being a white male in his 20 or 30s and was last seen wearing a dark flannel jacket with a dark hood, black pants and carrying a backpack. Officers said they had been dispatched at 10.55 p.m., some 20 minutes following the attack. By then, Costantino had given up and gone. By then, Costantino had given up and gone home. She also told the outlet, I do not hold the police accountable for this at all. I hold our city accountable for defunding the police. Will Portland switch and vote Democrat? I really doubt it. Because even after everything this city has seen, with all due respect, ma'am, it took getting bashed in the face for you to realize just how bad it really was. And I don't blame you for that. If you're not paying attention, this is what happened. So the questions I have, how did this country fall in such a way? How did we get to this point? You know what it is? People have absolved themselves of any and all responsibility in civic matters. And uh, I don't know, Strassau generational theory, I guess. It starts with people who risk their lives for this, for this world. The greatest generation. They come back home and they say the things I've seen, the fighting that I did and for and, and what I fought for. Now, some people argue the U.S. should not have been involved in World War One. World War One, that was a huge screw up. She basically leads to World War Two. World War Two. Should the U.S. have been involved? Well, I think if the U.S. wasn't involved, the world would be in a very, very, very dark place. And there are a lot of anti-war people who say, like, we should have mind. We should just mind our own business. I don't see it so simply. I don't. I'm, I'm very much anti-intervention in a lot of ways, but not absolutely. Nazi Germany was spreading, taking over. They were just seizing control of everything. And uh, the U.S., France and Britain staged a, a response. France, mostly under the occupation of Germany, mind you, but the resistance was still there. Uh, the, Nazi, uh, the, the Germans made the mistake of invading Russia. That was stupid. Uh, and Japan attacked us, all that stuff. You get it. You get it. History, history. These men, they come back, they come back to this country and they say, this is what we fought for. Their kids don't know what it took to fight. The children of their children have but a vague memory and recollections from grandpa. Here's the interesting thing. That's me. My grandfather fought in World War II. Rest in peace. He uh, teaches what he can. But my 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 parents didn't see World War Two. My dad was a Marine briefly. And so these lessons are lost. And then there is a next generation, another generation. 
I've not seen war. Granted, to be fair, I've seen civil unrest, the precursor to civil war and things like that. I'm a special case. I'm different. Certainly not a combat veteran or anything like that. They've seen more than me. What I mean to say is that most people of this generation have no idea what it takes to preserve freedom and stability. They don't understand the requirement of civic responsibility. And so what happens? This woman, Mary Constantino, brutally assaulted, should never have happened. Only now does she actually say she's changing her voting habits. You mean three years ago in the mass riots and the fire bombings, you didn't care? They don't care. They vote for self-interest. And as long as the Democrats keep saying nice things, good thing, they'll keep voting for it until one day someone walks up and bashes you in the face. Then maybe you'll change their voting habits because we're a sick generation. And I don't I don't just mean like millennials or, you know, whatever. I mean, like all of us alive today, we are a sick culture. Better way to put it. Too many people say none of my concern. Leave me out of it. And when you do that, you let this stuff run rampant. And sooner or later, someone will come up with a metal bottle and just bash you in the face with it. And then who do you go crying to? That's the big challenge, right? There was this uh, politician, you guys probably remember better than me, I don't remember. Uh, it might have been like Lindsey Graham or something, I don't know. Said something like, maybe it was McCain, that sometimes, you know, he wonders if we should let terror happen. Could have been Gingrich. I can't remember who said this, that they should let terrorist attacks happen to remind people of why we need these security measures. And it's a funny statement to be made. Everyone was like, oh, how dare you? When uh, life is good, you forget why we did the things we did. And then life gets not good. I'll give you another example. Feminism. Feminism can only exist in a in a heavy security state. This woman mercilessly attacked, brutally attacked in the street. You know, if we were to go back a couple hundred years, the woman would be walking with a man. And of course, women should have the right and freedom to walk peacefully down the street without being attacked. That's not my I'm not, I'm not saying they shouldn't. My point is, as secu- as uh, we begin to forget the tremendous effort made in securing our society and the social customs that led to security, you end up with massive crime. Women will get attacked. And then what do you do? Authoritarianism begins to rise as more and more women will vote for security. If you were to remove the U.S. military and just say no man's land and no laws, what do you think would happen? I challenge any leftist or liberal to disagree with me. Barbaric, disgusting men would rape and pillage, destroying things, stealing things and taking the women they wanted. They absolutely would. There would be men of good standing who would defend their communities and their families, but without a monopoly on violence. You can't have feminism. You can't. An agreement among our, within our system as to how order should be kept and only one group of people has the right to exert that force. And that's the U.S. government. Anyone, anyone else is breaking the law. And then they'll be stopped by the massively powerful dominant structure of violence. You get rid of that security, then everything goes back to square. I don't know how this will all play out. I really don't see Portland changing their voting patterns and voting Republican. But it is interesting to see this woman say that she's a Portland Democrat now voting Republican because of what happened.
But what is a Portland Republican going to be? A, a moderate leftist? A moderate socialist? Please. I don't see a Republican getting elected in Portland. But maybe the people will get fed up with the failures of the Democratic Party, realize they're being lied to, and things may change. But I won't hold my breath. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up, I think, uh, tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.